The title of my message today is Don't Depend on Social Security. And though there may be some pretty, that may be some pretty good advice, no matter how you take it, let me assure you that, uh, before you panic, that you have not been transported into one of those many churches in the country today who preach the gospel of self-help. I'm actually talking about something different than your retirement plan. Today we'll ask the question, where does your security come from? Does it come from the things of the world, a.k.a. society, social security? Is it social security or is it God security? The writer of Proverbs is Solomon, to whom is credited the title of the wisest man in the world. When the wisest man to ever live speaks, I would think we should listen. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. A very familiar verse. In fact, I'll bet many, how many have memorized that verse before? Raise your hand. Look at that. Hands all across the room. Why do you think so many have memorized that verse? Well, probably because it's just very wise and it practical advice for Christian living that can be applied literally every day of your life. In his autobiography, Martin Luther wrote, I have one preacher that I love better than any other on earth. It is my little tame Robin who preaches to me daily. I put some crumbs upon my windowsill, especially at night. He hops onto the windowsill when he wants his supply and takes as much as he desires to satisfy his need. From thence, he always hops to a little tree close by lifts up his voice to God and sings his carol of praise and gratitude, then tucks his little head under his wing, goes fast asleep, and leaves tomorrow to care for itself. He's the best preacher that I have on earth. That little bird's powerful message is a message of trust in the Lord. Someone said, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. Trust in your reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or Eternity. Today, as we look at Proverbs chapter 3, we will answer the question, where does your security come from? And we will see there three directives and a promise. The three directives, very clear. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The second, do not lean on your own understanding. The third, in all your ways, acknowledge God. And then comes the promise, he will make straight your paths. Now, most of you know that I'm a middle school pastor, 
But I'm also right now the father of a middle school daughter. Let me tell you, middle school girls are at the same time complicated and a hoot. It's a very interesting study in social behavior to watch how they interact with each other. One behavior I've found interesting among these creatures is what I will call the flying trust greeting. With certain friends, my 12-year-old daughter Grace has been known to, without warning, greet her friends by leaping into their arms, fully trusting that they will catch her. Which, as far as I know, so far has been successful. Many of you are familiar with this behavior from your time as parents of small children who will often leap into their parents' arms without warning. But to see this kind of trust expressed from one middle school girl to another is both admired and cautioned. In either case, this is a beautiful example of the kind of trust that Solomon is talking about in Proverbs 3. When he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's a trust that throws caution to the wind in full dependence on God. The Hebrew word for trust is batak, which means relying on someone for security or confidence in the fulfillment of expectations. Have you seen a trust fall before? I have my ladder here on stage. If I was about 20 years younger, I might actually demonstrate how this works, but instead I'll just... Describe it. If you're doing a trust fall, the person who is demonstrating trust just climbs up a few steps on the ladder. The higher you go, the more trust you must have. And there's a team of maybe four or more people below. The person just falls backwards trusting that those below will catch him. When I was studying this week, I I googled trust fall fails. <laughs> and saw many instances where people put their trust in the other people who let them fall to the ground. As our video pointed out, people will let you down. But God will not. Our God is totally dependable. His character makes it impossible for Him to lie. His knowledge is so complete that He can never make a mistake. He has holy purposes with no ulterior motives. And His love is limitless and unconditional so that he can never be unkind. We see in the Bible numerous examples of people who put into practice this idea of trusting God with all their heart. Noah built the ark on dry land while everyone mocked him. Abraham left his home and went to a land he did not know. Peter walked on the water. Job 
in the midst of his intense suffering, said, Though he slay me, still I will trust him. You know, the first step of trust is the hardest. Think Indiana Jones stepping out onto the invisible footbridge. It's the step of surrender where you say to God, not my will, God, but yours. I trust that you know what I need and what's best for me. I surrender my will to yours. Personally, I put my trust in Jesus for the first time as a young man of 17 years old. My skeptical, cynical nature made it hard to take that first step of faith and surrender my will to his. But by grace, through faith, I did. And I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and to take control of my life. Friends, this morning, until you're willing to trust Jesus in that way, nothing else I have to say today really matters. Because your trust is not in God, but it's in yourself. You're still trying to earn approval before God. You need to trust Him with all your heart. Take that step of faith. I've always loved the old illustration about the 19th century tightrope walker known as Blondin for his blonde hair. The story says, and it's a reportedly true story, that he walked on a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And then he offered to cross a second time, carrying someone on his back. But he could get no takers. The question could have very well been asked of the people viewing the event. Do you believe that Blondin can... Do it with someone carrying, carrying someone across on his back? Many would have said yes. And yet, their lack of willingness to climb aboard showed that they didn't really trust him with all their heart. At a later event, reportedly Blondin's manager actually did climb on his back and was carried across Niagara Falls thus showing the kind of trust that God wants from us. The kind that shows utter dependence and a willingness to trust Him completely with your very life. I just encourage you this morning that if, if you've never made that kind of a commitment to Christ, will you surrender your very life to Him? Myself and others will be up forward. I would love to talk to you this morning after the service about how you can make that kind of a commitment to follow Jesus. The next directive in our text is do not lean on your own understanding. We need to try to make sure here that we understand both what this does and does not mean in this context. I played around again on the internet this week looking at things like keys to personal success in life or keys to personal security. How to live a good life. 
There were as many different opinions as there were people offering suggestions. One thing that did stand out as I looked at a few of these was that most of them contained some truth mixed with error. Many of them contained godly principles for living that any of us would say amen to. So it's not just as easy as saying whatever the world says, do the opposite. That doesn't work. I think money is an area where many of us struggle with this issue. Should we throw out everything the world says about spending, investing, saving? We surely can't listen to everything the world offers in this area. As evidenced by a meeting Nicole and I had as a young married couple with a financial planner who encouraged us that our situation wasn't really that bad as long as we were willing to stop giving to the church for six months or so, we'd probably be just fine off financially. I read a quote this week from theologian Paul Koptek that said, Perhaps the greatest illusion of all time is that there is nothing of more value than certain pieces of metal or stone. Gold has value because the world recognizes it as having value. It reminded me of my baseball card collection. Here's one of my most valuable baseball cards. It's a 1968 Lou Brock card that was cut from the back of a box of bazooka bubblegum in 1968. Now, you can probably guess why this would be so valuable. I was eight years old in 1968. And if I had a box of bazooka bubblegum, I'd be more worried about the bubblegum at age eight and throwing away the cardboard than I would keeping it. But somebody preserved this one as the back of a box. And believe it or not, today this is worth hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. Because why? Somebody says it. To you and most of you out here, it's probably just a piece of cardboard that you throw away. But collectors like me put value on it. And it's worth hundreds of dollars. Within the book of Proverbs, we see great value put on understanding. It's our understanding that determines what we put value on. Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Proverbs 3.13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So Proverbs is clearly putting high value on understanding. But then we turn around and we read Proverbs 14:12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its way is the end. In the end is the way of death. And today's verse which says, "Do not lean on your own understanding." How do we merge these together? 
Here's how one commentary answered that question, and I think the slide's going to go up. The admonition does not mean that we are not to use our own understanding, form plans with discretion, and employ legitimate means in the pursuit of our ends, but that when we use it, we are to depend upon God and His directing and overruling Providence. You see, leaning on your own understanding is more than just failing to pray about a decision. It is at its root a pride issue. It is, as the next verse of the chapter says, being wise in your own eyes. According to human understanding, we rely on things like our natural abilities, our wealth of experience, or even our nest egg. God wants us to rely on him. So I believe what God would want from us is that we would gather all the understanding we can gather from all available sources. And then when it comes to specific situations, we should use that understanding while we depend on God to direct us and even overrule us and our decisions by his hand of providence. When life throws us curveballs, for example, the hundreds of families affected by the Dow, Dow Corning merger, our temptation is to immediately go into fix-it mode. I would implore you Friends, to be careful that you are seeking wisdom from God as you sort out the different decisions that you have to make to take the next steps for you and your family. This is where real faith needs to kick in. Do you believe that God is sovereign? Do you believe that He has a plan for you? A plan with a future and a hope. Don't make panic decisions. Make prayerful decisions. Using all the understanding you can gather from all available resources. The next directive from our text says, In all your ways, acknowledge Him. We've already mingled some of the thoughts of this directive as we discussed the previous one. But to acknowledge God in all your ways means that we accept God's presence to guide and direct our lives. God is omnipresent. He's always with you. You choose whether to acknowledge it or not. The popular t-shirt slogan says, if God feels far away... Guess who moved? If you're not experiencing his presence, it's because you are not acknowledging his presence. When we acknowledge God, we acknowledge that we were created to desire more than what the world desires. And we were created to desire him more than those things that the world places the highest values on. 
Knowledge of God must permeate all your behavior. Everything you do. I think we all know what it's called when a person acts one way at church and a different way in another setting. The Bible calls that person a hypocrite. God wants us to acknowledge him in all our ways. Many of you have heard me speak before about my, I guess I'd have to consider it at this point, a lifelong struggle with acknowledging God in the midst of competition. Yeah, see, they know. They know. I've screwed up so many times in this area that one might reasonably ask whether God might just decide that, well, I guess that's just the way Pastor Chuck is, and he does pretty good in acknowledging me in the other areas of of his life, so maybe I'll just give him a pass on that one. I think we all know that that's not the way it works. God loves you just as you are, but that doesn't mean he wants you to stay just as you are. He requires of his followers that they acknowledge his lordship in every area of their lives. There are no free passes. What's the area of your life that God's asking you to acknowledge him in? Are you willing to trust him with all your heart so he can continue to conform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ? Three directives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. And then a promise. He will make straight your paths. As we look at this promise, we need to again be careful to say what it does not mean. This is not a health and wealth promise that everything will always work out just the way you want it in every life situation. What it does mean is that God will guide you. Even clear obstacles for you to get you where he wants you to go. Proverbs 4.18 sheds some light on how this works when it says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. We walk the path of the righteous, acknowledging God's sovereignty in our lives and God reveals the brighter path to us day by day as we continue to walk with him. When I was a sophomore in college, I revealed to my father for the first time my plans to go into full-time Christian ministry instead of the engineering that I had been studying up to that point. His reaction was not good. One of the statements he made to me that day in his anger was telling me how, in his words, I would never have any of the things I wanted out of life. What my father didn't understand was that my heavenly father was rearranging my priorities 
and my thinking in such a way that I no longer was reliant on my earth, what my earthly father told me about security. That it would come from things like money, social security. I was now trusting in my heavenly father. Who has always, sometimes in almost miraculous ways, I wish I could tell you some of those stories, made my paths straight. It's what he does when you trust him with all your heart.